0: Wretched Radio begins in 3, 2, 1.
1: I want to
0: the old trees, and tell them that we love them.
1: I've looked at clear cuts in burnt forests, and I've felt outraged.
0: We are the crowning glory of God's creation and all of nature was made for us. Nature is more productive because of us, not less. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel.
2: Listen very carefully to the sound of deconstruction. And the longest opening ever. Get to it, man. Yikes. This is Wretched Radio. Perhaps you're familiar with an internet sensation. Their names are Rhett and Link. The voice that you're about to hear is Rhett McLaughlin, who a couple of years joined the evangelical trend of deconstruction. We don't hide that word We are loud and proud with the deconstruction of the Christian faith trend, a demonstration. The world most certainly has made its way into the church. The world is all about deconstructing everything these days, and wow, are they ever aggressive about it. This fellow decided to open up his faith and see what was inside, the result being, as it is with so many young people who go on an exploration of deconstruction, you know, to break it down so that we can keep the good bits, get rid of the other stuff, but then most of them ultimately just shuck the whole thing. Chuck or shuck, they get rid of the whole kitten caboodle. Rhett McLaughlin, who can actually sing, has decided to put his thoughts to lyrics and music. Not sure why people who don't believe in God spend so much energy singing and talking about not believing in God. Nevertheless, thought it would be worth our while to listen to this fellow. What is he thinking? What is it that drove him to do what he'd done? And how is he feeling now? And whilst we can't, of course, read the fellow's mind, although that doesn't stop most YouTube pontificators, we can learn one thing. It's kind of sad, You've deconstructed. You should be happy now. And instead, it's kind of a mournful tune about having relationships with people who still believe in Jesus Christ. So once we get through this rather lengthy introduction, let's listen to Rhett McLaughlin. actually sing this fellow. He's got some skills, but he's also got some thoughts he wants to share with you, dear Christian. The one I gave you said that, that that's interesting. He deconstructed his faith. People ask him, why did you do that? He gives the answer and they say, no, that's not it. <laughs> And there's a pretty good chance that ain't it, because the reason that this fellow has deconstructed his faith is because his faith was never constructed in the first place. Maybe, just maybe, something we can learn when we meet a fellow like Rhett, that we don't question them, not sure that there's going to be much fruit from that. Instead, I think we need to do with people who have deconstructed the same thing we do with people, who have never professed faith in Jesus Christ. You just share the gospel with them. Must be something that I want. Fame and fortune, or at least a little do That was a little jaunt. How do I know that cuz I've got the lyrics on the screen I think that's an allusion to you just wanna go out and be a prodigal don't you It may seem to cut and dry No There's something instructive for us. This is a fellow who went on a deconstruction tour. Where were his stops? His stops were at every single site that is critical of Christianity. You'll find plenty of them. You'll find even more that refute them. But when an individual goes onto the Internet and wants to examine their faith there is plenty for them to find there a moral to the story mom and dad do you know where your kids are googling was reading an article last night it was uh, it was a person who wrote an article that i read last night talking about the world and how we've lost our kids and much of the of the losses that parents are suffering are due to the internet. There was a there was a study that was done of immigrant people. Was it Ross Dreher that wrote this? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was Ross Dreher who, wow, he is not optimistic about the future of Western civilization, that immigrant people who do not speak the language versus Americans who are already living here, whose kids do speak the language. How did they fare? when it came to emotional issues, school, et cetera. And the result, at least of this statistic that I think it was Rod Dreyer mentioned, is that people who do not speak English actually fare better emotionally in our culture. And the conclusion is, it is because when you speak English, you get English imported into you. And I'm not talking about the language, I'm talking about the culture. Rod was also lamenting that he was in Europe, and he had met a, he met an awful lot of Polish Catholics who are mourning the demise of their country. And their suspicion is it's because the kids go onto the Internet and they find English-speaking ideologies, religions, encouragements, and phew, away they have gone. I can't help but think that's exactly what happened to Rhett. <laughs> It's true. I'm not
1: asking you to agree. I just asking
2: you to believe me. All righty. That's pretty much the sum total of the thinking behind the deconstruction of Rhett McLaughlin. Just believe him. Just, just trust him what I think that he bristles at later in the song, that we would say, hey, you were never a Christian in the first place. It's not true. I really, really felt like I was a Christian. We hear that pretty regularly, don't we? Perhaps you've heard it. Perhaps your child has said it to you. People have a religious experience of some sort, but then they fall away. The Bible tells us they didn't Fall away because they were never inside of the church. Consider the parable of the four soils. Because I've heard this from many, many different deconstructionists who who have said, hey, I no, I really, I really believe. I remember talking to Dan Barker, the president from the Freedom from Religion Foundation. He partners with Ronnie Reagan. I think he goes by Ronnie, doesn't he, Jr.? And just hates God. He used to travel with evangelist-slash-faith healer, Kathleen, is it Katherine or Kathleen, Catherine, Kathleen Coleman. He was an associate, and assistant, and he traveled around the country following her around, going to those healing charades, and he ultimately deconstructed. And when I said to him, Well, that's because you were never constructed in the first place. Whoa, Rocky, watch me pull a rabbit out of my hat. They get really angry. Now, I don't know if that means that we should or shouldn't go about the business of telling them theologically that they didn't really deconstruct. They had never been a part of God's kingdom in the first place because it does seem to make them a little agitated. (laughs) got a bit of a 70s, 60s, 70s Mac Davis vibe to it, doesn't it?
1: Say my heart was never true. That might
2: say more about you. So if you say that I was never a Christian in the first place, that's more of a judgment on you than it is on me. Okay. So what do we do with an individual like Rhett and so many others? Well, if they're in your family, obviously you keep loving them. If they're your neighbor, you keep loving them. It doesn't mean that you toss them out on the trash heap, but you do have to have a relationship with them. What does that look like? I might suggest to you make sure that they've actually heard the law and the gospel, not just the gospel, which is pretty typical in evangelical circles these days, but the law and the gospel, repentance and faith, not ask Jesus into your heart, not accept Jesus, make a decision for Jesus. None of those phrases are biblical, so make sure that they understand repentance and faith. And then I think you can kind of just leave it there. You don't have to make every single conversation about their deconstruction. It's okay, you've spoken the truth, and in an effort to be loving and not be agitating, I think you've done your bit, and then you can call it a day and tell him that should you ever desire to reconsider your deconstruction, it would be an honor of mine to help you do that, because you have every single reason to believe. Furthermore, you have every single reason on the planet to make your introduction shorter. (laughs) This is Wretched Radio. You're familiar with this sound. You're sitting in church. Your pastor is preaching. You have your John MacArthur Study Bible open. The pastor is reading the scripture, and all of a sudden you hear... Everybody in church turning the page because they all have the same MacArthur Study Bible. Why? Because it is so helpful to be able to read study notes underneath the verses to really grasp what God's Word is trying to teach. How would you like to share the joy of putting a John MacArthur Study Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines? They typically make about $12 to $15 per, not hour, per day. It's a luxury item, and it would be such a blessing. $25 a Bible, four Bibles, $100, or perhaps you could send a Bible to a brother or sister in the Philippines every single month. Would you please consider doing that to bring joy to our brothers and sisters? Wretched.org slash
1: Bible. Hey, thank you for listening to Wretched Radio today. We know you have infinite choices in what gets your time, and we don't take for granted that you've chosen Wretched Radio. And we also want to thank those of you who are monthly Wretched Gospel partners. Without your support, we could not do all that we're able to do. From Wretched Radio and Wretched TV to other productions like Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, and Breaking Bread, not to mention the many resources available in the Wretched Store, they're all possible only because of you and your ongoing support. If you're not. Already a monthly Wretched Gospel partner, would you prayerfully consider becoming one? Help us continue producing quality productions that reach millions with the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And know that we take seriously our stewardship of the resources you provide. That's why we're audited yearly by the ECFA, so you know we're accountable to you. Get all the information you could ever need about becoming a monthly Wretched Gospel partner now by visiting wretchedorg donate. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing
2: gospel. 2
0: fathers. Jerome was a 4th century Christian theologian and one of the original four doctors of the church. His most important work was the Latin Vulgate, a translation of the scriptures from Hebrew and Greek into Latin, the vernacular of his day. The Vulgate remained the preeminent translation of the Bible for a millennium. This is Wretched Radio with
2: Todd Friel. Excuse me, but who exactly is the... Bully here. This is Wretched Radio. Have you felt it? Have you felt the blows, perhaps the stinging barbs against Christianity? There are oodles of them these days. We are accused of being sexist, racist, misogynistic, old fashioned, on the wrong side of history. We are told we are terrible people because of our beliefs we oh there's some of us although the number is dwindling there's some of us who don't even want to let women be pastors can you imagine what sort of barbarous people would believe something like that well a people who have always believed that for centuries because that is what our divinely inspired book tells us don't know if you've seen the statistics. This was an interesting research from LifeWay. <laughs> there's a shocker. It's LifeWay research. 94% of respondents reported that their churches allow women to minister to children. That's a lot. 92% said their church permits women to serve as committee leaders. 89% of those surveys indicated women can minister to teenagers at the church. That's getting a little trickier because boys are becoming men. And nevertheless... The LifeWay poll discovered that there's a lot of evangelical churches that are okay with a woman being a pastor. And by the way, this particular report uses the term senior pastor because there's a trend to try to make a distinction between the senior pastor and other pastors. Because if you've got a senior pastor above a female pastor, then he still has authority. But it doesn't work that way. If you're an elder, you do have authority. That's how authority works. You are placed into that office. You are given the responsibility of tending to people's souls. And so if you are a pastor, you by the very definition of the word are somebody who is in authority. So don't let people play that card on you. Well, she's she's not a senior pastor. Is she a pastor? Yeah. Well, then that would be a 1 Timothy 2.12 problem. Most pastors responded women at their churches may teach co-ed adult Bible studies. 85%. I. Sorry, I know that some of these issues get a little bit dicier, but I think this one's pretty clear. If a woman is standing in front of a group of people with adult males, the Bible just says don't do it. That's just not God has decided. I don't want the church run this way. I'm going to bring order to this, and there's many reasons for it. But you're just going to have to obey my word on this. I know what is best. This was the statistic I thought was the most interesting: 44 percent of evangelical pastors and 14 percent of Baptist pastors answered in the affirmative when asked if their church permitted women to serve as Senior pastors. Hmm, that statistic is high. I wonder, I just wonder, if in part because the number of Baptists are quite low on there, when they define the term evangelical, that that would include charismatic denominations, the NAR movement, because they are ordaining more women than ever. I think that's why this number is skewed a little bit high. You've got Baptists, saying, 14% of them at least, no, a woman can't be a pastor. Nevertheless, that trend is growing. That movement is trying to push forward. Hashtag Southern Baptist Convention. You saw that push, and I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. By the way, Jimmy, have we seen the report yet on Saddleback? What they did there with ordaining three women? Uh, no, no. Well I uh, know. Must be really complicated. Well very I mean, difficult to figure these things out.
1: Yeah. And you know, why, why are not we even looking at it anymore? He's retired.
2: Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> well, that's because the church is still in the convention. Maybe I don't maybe leadership is just busy with the Department of Justice. That's all <laughs> I'm thinking. <laughs> is possible. You and I are considered terrible people because we want to impose our beliefs on other people. In other words, the world thinks that we're bullies. I hold in my never-before-nicotine-stained fingers a demonstration that maybe, just maybe, the real bullies are not the Christians at all. Let's go to Colorado, shall we? By the way, Thrilled to Pieces get to be on in Colorado Springs starting next week on Wretched Radio. Looking forward to that. Oodles. I'd like to go there. I haven't been to Colorado Springs. Been to Denver. I went to that Satanic Center. What was the name of that? <laughs> what was the name? <laughs> it's the town outside of Denver. It is a super groovy town. What's the big one? Evergreen. Evergreen. Didn't you study geometry? How can you not know this? <laughs> I a don't disappointment. Know. And rate, anyway, it just felt very witchcrafty. That's all I'm saying in that town. But I hear Colorado Springs is gorgeous, as are most towns in Colorado, frankly. But apparently it's a lovely place to live. A Colorado baseball team cancels family night with Christian singer over pro-life partners. In an email response to the Christian Post, the group, Save the Storks, which identifies as pro-family and pro-woman, oh, no, said they were informed that the Rocky Mountain Vibes had, quote, received concerns from their biggest sponsor and threats from several sponsors that they'd pull their contracts if they went through with the event. That's called bullying. That's strong-arming somebody. That is using your might to bend other people's wills. That is sheer bullying. And they do it all underneath the guise of tolerance. All underneath the banner of, hey, we've just got to let people live. Not you people. Not you, but other people. We, we, We love tolerance so much that we won't tolerate intolerance. Then you're not. Tolerant by definition. Example number to who? This is a Christian school, Valley Christian Academy, VCA. And Santa, the city of Santa Maria, Central Coast City of Santa Maria, from the Tribune is the name of the paper. Here's the headline If Christian School Won't Play Football Against Girls, it can stay off the field, period. That's the headline. Emphasis, not mine. <laughs> VCA is facing a lawsuit prior to this incident now where they said to the football team that had a girl as a wide receiver, we, we just can't play with you. We just, we just, I say salute to VCA. The world said lawsuit because it refused to play Against a team last year, that squad included a female wide receiver whose mother filed the suit. The school administration says playing football with Goyles conflicts with, quote, the guiding principles of the Bible regarding the care of women. Good on them. This woman writes, who's critical of the football team, that's an awfully vague and lightweight excuse in a time when more and more women are participating in traditionally male work including fighting alongside men in the military well you're assuming that's a good idea too but listen to the animosity here this is there's a simple solution that can be reached outside in the court outside of the courtroom either Valley Christian Academy Lions agree to play whether or not girls are on the opposing team or they withdraw from the league if they won't withdraw the football league can show them the door. That sounds pretty tolerant, wouldn't you say? Here's the school. This Actually, this is somebody who wrote an article on Christian website Reform Perspective. We are not raising our daughters to be fighters the same way we are with our sons. The goal we have in mind in raising sons is to inculcate masculinity. <gasps> oh, no. And we want our daughters to embrace a godly femininity, not a worldly femininity. The woman who wrote the article, certainly church members are entitled to their beliefs. Can you guess what the next word is? But if they're so beholden to them, why would they want to play in a league with rules that run counter to those beliefs? So it's a bullying, caustic remark about being a hypocrite. What are these articles revealing? In my opinion, you've got a world that somehow justifies their bullying of Christians. If you have not yet begun to study how now we shall live in a world that is willing to bully Christians, you might want to get prepared. What that looks like, I think it's going to differ for every family. You can store cans of food and potable water if that's your choice. You can move to Montana if you want to whatever it is you should be ready for more bullying you should be prepared for people to think you're really bad how far will it go well i think to answer that question we need to answer a different question is there anything different in the dna of leaders in the west than there is in leaders in the east and middle east that are willing to imprison and kill christians any difference i think we have our answer this is wretched radio
1: this is wretched radio and i'm jimmy Hicks. And we start today with spending a little time in Canada, where a recent report indicates a customer of Scotia Bank has been banned by the bank because he asked if there was a way to remove the pro LGBT rainbow flag from his phone's banking app. He didn't ask the bank to stop supporting LGBT, he just asked if there was a way he didn't have to personally look at it when he used the bank's app and well the bank said yep there is a way that you don't have to look at it you don't ever have to see it again because you can't be our customer if you don't support everything we support but i guess the bank is just taking their cues from the top because prime minister justin trudeau announced over the weekend that he intends to ignore public opinion and dole out some 100 million taxpayer dollars to lgbt communities across canada yeah but you know that's not only a canadian thing it seems like most governments Today, ignore the public majority and just do what they please so i know we first reported about gibson's bakery months ago it's a family-owned bakery in oberlin ohio that was falsely accused by students and faculty members of oberlin college of racism in 2016 and the baker sued the college Rightfully so, a jury awarded the bakery $36 million in damages and Tuesday of this week, Ohio Supreme Court declined to hear the school's appeal, which means they will have to pay the bakery it nearly put out of business $36 million. Good for them. U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi love talking about her. She recently spoke at a panel on Women's Equity Day and said that restricting abortion was sinful and was an assault on women i'm fairly sure she isn't aware of what sin actually is because as paul said in first corinthians 2 these things are foolish to the natural man and let's move to the highly original dc comics who has decided to celebrate hispanic history month beginning on september the 15th by releasing covers of its superheroes eating hispanic food Yeah, that's actually true. I'm not making any of this up. So a tweet from Jorge Molina, who created a cover for the Green Lantern using the Mexican flag. And Molina is Mexican himself. And he said it was a great honor to have the opportunity to pay tribute to his country and his roots. And that's why he used the Mexican flag. But it looks like that it was changed. I'm not sure the timeline here, but what looks like is going to be used is not the Green Lantern with a Mexican flag behind him. But it's the Green Lantern holding a bag of tamales. And there does appear to be some backlash calling DC's decisions tone deaf. So they may very well revert back to the originals. But who knows? I guess we'll find out September the 15th. I'll be sitting on the edge of my seat waiting. I don't know about you. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks.
0: Important dates in Christian history. 1611. The authorized or King James translation of the Bible in the English language is published. 54 scholars worked for four years on the project. The King James version became the Bible of choice in the English speaking world for over 400 years. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. It's not death.
2: Well, maybe in a sense, it actually is this is wretched radio perhaps you recall not that long ago former governor of new york andrew cuomo in response to a reporter who was asking about people that are being locked up they're losing their jobs their businesses are going under they're having emotional stress from the covid lockdowns and his response was it's not death what we are seeing however are the results of the COVID lockdowns. And it looks like, um, actually, death may just be one of the fruits from that experiment. Why? Anxiety, depression, suicide rates, up, 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 especially from the kids who felt so isolated. And if they did go out, they had to put a shield over their face. They have felt the effects of that, and many of them are taking their own lives because of it. However, there is another way, perhaps, that (laughs) the grand lockdown is not promoting life. Headline, Gen Z, millennials speak out on reluctance to become parents. This is ABC News, so brace yourself for that. The kids don't want to have kids these days. And one of the reasons that they're giving is, you guessed it, COVID. They are citing that experience and saying, oh, because of that, I can't have kids. Now, if you think that is a wee bit, hmm, let's be gracious and say, extraordinary. Listen to the reasons that people are giving these days for not having children. I don't think it's responsible to bring children into this world, said a graduate student. There are already kids who need homes. I don't know what kind of world it's going to be in 20, 30, or 40 years. Okay, none of us do. Even if it's sunshine and lollipops today, it could pour tomorrow. That's not the point. We don't have children because of circumstances. We have children because they're a gift from God, and they are totally delightful and simultaneously a nightmare. They're just a ton of work and they can break your heart like a nobody's business there's no pain uh, like family pain but they make life rich and interesting and 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 they give it some profundity that you're dealing with a human being shaping and molding hopefully into the image of Jesus Christ there is nothing more enjoyable than that yep times can be tough yeah they are expensive. Oh, but what are they worth? According to the world, not that much because we need to make sure that we only have children if every child has a home. What is what is that about? That That's, that's similar to the uh, pro-choice argument. Well, if you're not willing to take care of every child and adopt every child, then uh, you shouldn't be pro-life. That has nothing to do with the issue. The question is not, does every child have a home? But should you, as an image bearer of God, make other image bearers? Must give a little hashtag, a little asterisk at this point. If the Lord has not yet opened your womb, um, I know you are struggling. I know you are hurting with that. So you, you do need to remember that God's timing is best. He's the one who makes life. And if right now he's decided that he's, he's not willing to give you a desire of your heart, please, please, I know, I know your heart aches, but don't become bitter against God. What he's doing in your life as a believer is perfect. It is absolutely right. Keep praying. Keep petitioning the Lord. But don't ever get angry Or don't let your heart be so broken that it affects your life. God always does what is best. Back to the people who potentially could have babies that don't want them. The U.S. birth rate falling 4% in 2020. Um, That ain't a very good sign. I can't see myself committing to a mortgage, let alone a child. What? By the way, they cite this individual as earning one hundred and three thousand dollars a year, and his wife makes sixty. So they're making one hundred and sixty-three thousand a year. You can afford a mortgage. Uh, yeah, but they don't want to committing to a mortgage. Mm. That is it. That is a trend of the younger generation. It's an identifiable marker. These things can be scary to to that generation. I don't know why exactly. I would prefer to spend that money on traveling, okay, versus sinking half a million dollars into raising a child. One of the bigger regrets of my life, but top five, most certainly, we were not saved, we got married, And we listened to the mantra, you got to live a little before you have the kids. What's the implication? Hey, you better have fun. It's sort of like a bachelor party. You better whoop-de-doo before the old ball of chain. And we waited and we traveled and we did some cool things. I wish we hadn't. Today, I would give up a trip any day of the week to have spent more time faster and potentially even with more kids. But we listen to the siren song of the world. By the way, Jimmy, do you know where the word siren, what, what what a siren song is? I do not. It is from the sirens. You remember in Homer's Odyssey, these were women who were half bird, and they would sing so beautifully so that the sailors on the ship would be tempted to go find the source of the singing, and bang, they'd crash on the rocks. This I I just I just I just heard this from Alistair Begg in a sermon, using this as an illustration. So Odysseus in Homer's Odyssey, Odysseus Odyssey, he decided the way for us to get by the island without crashing on the shoals, he put beeswax into the ears of all the sailors, and then had them tie him to the mast of the ship so they couldn't be tempted. And they they made it. They didn't crash. On the other hand, you've got a minor piece of mythology. Oh, I can't recall the name of the source. It's not one of the big boys. It was, it was something a little smaller, and it was Orpheus who was captaining a ship. He was on the ship, and they were going to pass by the island of the sirens and the way that he decided this is how we're going to get through this. He played his instrument, made beautiful music so that the sailors would be so entranced with the playing of the, of their fellow crewmen that they wouldn't listen to the siren songs of the world. Why did Alistair Begg use that as an illustration in a sermon? Uh, because that really is a pretty fair illustration of what it means to be a Christian and how we battle sin, how we battle temptation. We love Jesus so much. We focus on him so much. Porn? Are you out of your mind? Why would I do that when I have this? That's the difference between Christianity a grace-based system, which then calls us to obedience out of devotion and gratitude because we are entranced with something far more beautiful than anything the world system can offer. You can join a legalistic system. You can put beeswax in your ears if you want to. You can put it on your eyes so you can't watch the porn machine, or you can turn your eyes upon Jesus, look long in his wonderful face. And then pornography will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. But there's another reason why people aren't wanting to have kids these days. Frio, we thought you just went on a journey by the Siren Song Island. They're they're not getting married because of climate change. Climate change. They're worried the planet's going to burn up. These people probably have a little Kool-Aid stain on their lips. Nevertheless, they're not having kids because they fear climate change. What do we do when science runs amok? I don't know if you've heard this. I found this fascinating. Steven Crowder, you maybe know him on the YouTube machine. Here was an example from an article in Reason.com. Embracing fatness as self-care in the era of Trump. It was an academic paper that was submitted to Massey University's Fat Studies Conference. The conference said, we love it, and invited the paper's author, somebody named C.S.E.A. Matheson, to speak. Attendees gave Matheson's speech rave reviews praising the paper's description of Donald Trump's fat phobia and inviting Matheson to review other works submitted to their scientific journal, Fat Studies, an interdisciplinary journal of body, weight, and society. Here's the rub. Matheson isn't actually a scientist. She is actually Stephen Crowder, who disguised himself as an overweight woman to expose ivory tower quackery. Please, if you're thinking about not having kids because of concerns for the future, of course, you certainly have the right. And perhaps there are times when that is justifiable, but it shouldn't be a long season of waiting because kids are such a blessing everybody gets to decide how many they have oh but to not have them because of climate change (laughs) this is wretched radio how's inflation been treating you if costs for health insurance are skyrocketing in your home would you please visit medishare dot com slash wretched affordable biblical health sharing christians paying for other christians medical bills which means you don't have to worry where the money is going for mm, bad stuff second of all you can save on average 500 per month and finally Medishare, it's the gold standard for health care sharing for more than 25 years it works, and the members, including myself and Mrs. Freel, love it, which is why their customer satisfaction rate is double traditional health insurance. If inflation has got you down, call up the people at MediShare, 844-34-BIBLE or MediShare.com slash Wretched
1: quick. What's the first thing that pops into your mind when I say the word partner? I'm only asking because I do genuinely wonder if I've been crystal clear on the significance of our gospel partners. Our gospel partners truly are allies, helping and granting us the privilege in spreading the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. With productions like Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, Transformed, and resources like Wretched Worldview, Breaking Bread, Life is Best, The Drive-By Series, and a ton of others, we're reaching millions with the gospel. But it's only possible because of the general of our gospel partners. If you're already a Wretched Gospel Partner, I humbly thank you for your kindness and support. And if you're not, can I ask you to visit wretched.org/donate to get all of the details on becoming a Wretched Gospel Partner, and then prayerfully consider partnering with us if you can. We are grateful for all you do and humbled that God continues using wretches like us to spread His gospel to millions. Wretched.org/donate. That's
2: wretched.org/donate. Hey, isn't this groovy? Dozens of crisis pregnancy centers have been vandalized or set on fire because of the Roe v. Wade decision. A pre-born center in Buffalo was firebombed. A preborn clinic in Gresham, Oregon was hit with an incendiary device. A pre-born clinic in Miami vandalized and they're receiving bomb threats. In other words, the battle for life is becoming a battle for life. And yet, the pre-born centers continue to open. Support organizations like preborn and like your local pregnancy clinic that are unwaveringly and without fear opening again today, offering freely, loving, Christ-centered alternatives to these young women. Be part of the solution. Please join the literal battle for life preborn.org slash wretched preborn.org slash wretched
0: books of the bible luke was a physician and companion of paul who wrote an orderly account of the gospel of jesus christ he meticulously details names places and events Luke shows great concern for people of every class, especially overlooked or undesirable people. We are all from various places and classes, but Jesus Christ is the Savior for all mankind. This is Wretched Radio with
2: Todd Friel. If you listen, bowie, bowie, carefully, I don't know why I'm talking like Elmer Fudd. If you listen, bowie, carefully, you will hear the violent sound of my eyes crossing. This is Wretched Radio. Not only did Stephen Crowder pull the wool over the eyes of scientists when he wrote a mock journal, a paper titled Embracing Fatness as Self-Care in the Era of Trump, the fat phobic Donald Trump. Apparently now you can have fat phobia. Jimmy, do you like bacon? I, I do. Then you're not fat phobic. Oh. Mm-hmm. Bacon. I just somebody said. I think it was Mrs. Freel sent me a. Meme. There's a picture of a pan. On the floor with bacon scattered all over the place. And the title of it was the saddest picture in the world.
1: <laughs> bacon. bacon. On the floor.
2: <laughs> so if you like bacon, you don't have to worry about being fat phobic. But apparently Donald Trump does. And so Stephen Crowder wrote a paper, submitted it to a scientific study, Massey University's Fat Studies Conference. They invited the writer, which was Stephen Crowder who delivered a nonsensical speech, they'd raved about it. Oh, that was amazing, and it was all made up. Hold on from the article at Reason.com. Crowder is just the latest person to fool today's so-called science journals. James Lindsay, Peter Bagosian, and Helen Pluckrose submitted nonsense papers to grievance study journals like Fat Studies, Sexuality and culture, sex roles. We are, we are indeed a society that's consumed by that subject, aren't we? Got to tell you, besides being careful about how much political noise we listen to the, the, this, this, the whole gender thing, it's just incessant, isn't it? just a non-stop drip no it's it's more like the the rocket meraba just gushing water got to be careful how much of that stuff that we consume there's a temptation to look at it all the time i know i feel that temptation because it's just one extraordinary and i don't mean that in a positive way it's just one extraordinary story after another Trying to watch my diet on that. Let's go back to uh, James Lindsay, Peter Bagosian, and Helen Pluckrose. They submitted nonsense papers. Seven of these journals accepted their papers. One of the papers took a section of a book and changed some of the words, and it was accepted by aphilia. Journal of Women and Social Work. Jimmy, would you like to know what book they plagiarized? Not, not that there's anything wrong with that these days. You <laughs> no, just steal anything all. you want. <laughs> you too, pastor. Past, pastor? Hmm. Do you know what book they plagiarized? What book? Mein Kampf. Oh. All they did was they just replaced references to national socialism with feminism. <laughs> 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 ay ay, ay. Gender, place, and culture accepted a paper that claimed there is a rape culture. Do you know where that rape culture is, Jimmy? Where? You might as well say Mein Kampf because it's <sighs> just as ridiculous. Dog parks. What? That's right. Journal. Printed in a magazine. Science. Speaking of journals... There is a history journal, and the president of that association is one James Sweet. He's the president of the American Historical Association, and he writes a monthly address to his colleagues. The title of this one was called, Is History History? Identity Politics and Teleologies of the Present. What he's saying in a really highfalutin kind of way is we have a tendency to take our current ideologies, and then import them back into history and view history through a contemporary filter and judge them. Typically, they are found wanting because they don't meet up with our contemporary mores. He calls it presentism, and he says, that ain't good history. Quote, if history is only those stories from the past that confirm current political positions, all manner of political hacks can claim historical expertise. Too many Americans have become accustomed to the idea of history as an evidentiary grab bag to articulate their political positions. In other words, we've got a grievance. We see somebody do something. Now, somebody punches a child in the nose. We go back to like 1800 and say, hey, there's a story of a guy who punched a kid in the nose. Americans are kid nose punchers. That's all they do. This whole it's systemic kid punching. And this guy said that doesn't work. It was a little bit of a missive about this subject being somewhat critical. Hey, be careful. Sweet asked if students who enter the field with a fixed identity first point of view might be better suited to sociology, political science or ethnic studies. Oh, can you see where this is going? As an example, he writes about taking a tour. This is where he got in big trouble. Elmina Castle in Ghana, a stop in the Atlantic slave trade. Sweet claims that his tour guide at Elmina both overstated the relevance of the site to African-Americans, as less than 1% of the Africans passing through that site arrived in North America, while also falsely downplaying the role that Ghanaians played in the slave trade. These elisions, said the History Journal president, come from a desire to make history conform to our modern political understandings of race and inequality. Listen, can you hear the backlash? Of course, they jumped all over him for suggesting, first of all, that anybody might get history wrong. And in this instance, regarding that historical note, who was it off pitch? And so he's had to go on the apology tour <laughs> because he was demeaning the work of minority scholars by broadly questioning whether work driven by identity politics belong in the historical tradition. By the way, if I recall from this article in, uh, oh, it was the New York Times, that this fellow actually has African studies and, and like African slave studies. That's, like that's like his bag. He questioned it. He got shellacked. There is is no quarter given to somebody who disagrees with our take on the world. We suffer from an overabundance of history, he wrote, not as method or analysis, but as anachronistic data points for the articulation of competing policies. You perhaps know the C.S. Lewis phrase, chronological snobbery. I've called it anachronistic. Anachronological, we should, no wonder why C.S. Lewis went with chronological snobbery. Anachronistic arrogance. We think that we know better. And this fellow said, hey, let's be careful how we're doing history. Bang, he gets totally hammered. Speaking of journals and magazines, this is in First Things. Not sure why this, well, I do know why this particular article, from Christianity Today was cited in June. Christianity Today published an article by Mark Yarhouse, a professor of psychology at Regent University in Virginia on gender dysphoria. Jimmy, do we know, was, was Russell Moore the president of, of the Christianity Today back in June? I, it, I know that's a recent development. Yeah, I think that was a July thing. All right, Here's what the article said. Did I mention this is Christianity today? One, church members should address a man who thinks he is a woman by her chosen female name and use feminine pronouns, and a woman who thinks she is a man by her chosen male name and use masculine pronouns. So Christianity today, they flip the coin for you. You don't get to decide whether or not you are going to affirm somebody's confusion. No, we got to do it. Hold on. They ain't done yet. The church should not treat as synonymous management of gender dysphoria and faithfulness to Christ. Okay, so in other words, you can be trans and faithful to Christ. Now, can somebody who's a Christian have these confusing emotions? Sure, I don't think that's what they're stating. The church should allow these transgender desires to identify with aspects of the opposite sex as a way to manage extreme discomfort. Did I mention this is Christianity today? Back to the article. For the most part, the church should give up on the culture war battle on this issue and other issues. Quote, the church is called to rise above culture wars and present a witness to redemption. Now, There's certainly a part of that that has at least a little nugget of truth. But the implication is just let's just let people be. We don't care that they're confused and miserable, getting diseases, suffering, dying at a young age. We don't care about that. We've got to give up on that. Do I believe that we should be fighting a culture war? I don't think that's the biblical way to phrase it. I think that it's a spiritual war, it's a theological battle it is a war for souls not for culture and as christians if we do care about people who are in the dark stubbing their toes in confusion then it's not loving to stop speaking the truth and until tomorrow go serve your king